Hello Oilers fans, welcome back to another episode of Game Over, that's Dennis, I'm Zach, and the Oilers lose by a score of 5-3, to 5-3, right? That I kind of lost, I lost, um, yeah, 5-3. to 5-3 in the end. 5-3, to three. yeah, to, to the Minnesota Wild, a team who always seems to have the Oilers number, doesn't matter how good or bad the Wild are, doesn't matter how good or bad the Oilers are, they always seem to lose to the Minnesota Wild. Going into tonight's game, uh, Costin comes back in the lineup for Tyler Benson. Seemed, you know, like a nothing kind of decision. Benson barely played in the last game. Costin had been, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, the whole reason why Costin was held out last game was because of the visa, visa issues, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's for why sure. Benson got iced. Yeah, exactly. And and as far as the losses go this season, I have to say this is one of the least disappointing losses. You just see the number of things, right? It's a back to back. They're playing Minnesota. Campbell's in net. We'll get into that later. That's one of the hint, one of the main topics of today, obviously. Um, but yeah, there's just a number of things. They got into Minnesota 3 a.m. last night, and it's as as much as you can say in the NHL, this is a scheduled loss. Can we agree on that? Um, you know, it, it wasn't how you'd like to see the effort level. Maybe in periods two through three, you could tell the Oilers' legs kind of caught up to them. In the Wild, a team who hadn't played since Sunday, uh, they seem to find their juice because the Oilers let them, you know, ease themselves into the game. Uh, at least, I think we can take solace in knowing that even though the effort level might not have been there, the Oilers will be stepping up to the podium to take hard-hitting questions from journalists after the game, right? So Not dodging. No, no exactly. Don't do that and, that, and that's what fans truly care about, right? That Who cares? You know, the game didn't go the way, the way we wanted? Whatever. I want to see them answer for, to it from journalists that's what i'm looking forward to right when this broadcast ends i'm going to the oilers channel and i'm watching all the post game take it in i want to see the microphone shoved in their face i want to know i want to know i want to hear i want to hear ryan Eugene hopkins say we didn't get pucks in deep you know we didn't we didn't get hard on the forecheck i i need to hear that before i come to any sort of judgment about what actually <laughs> happened but i digress on that for those <laughs> for those who think i'm just you know don't know what i'm talking about well Look up the article from Chris Jones on Alfonso Davies. Um, but yeah, anyways, the Oilers, the Wild, that's what we're here for. Uh, before we get into all that and more, I got to give a message from our friends at Sports Interaction. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's a World Cup, hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's 19 plus. Please play responsibly. All right, Dennis. Uh, you know, I not I, I want to say disappointing, but also not disappointing at the same time. There's a bunch of things happening in the game that we're going to get into. The Campbell, the depth was nowhere to be found besides a three-second goal. Uh, the goal with three seconds left from Clem Costin. Um. Yeah. What? What do you? Honestly, what do you think? You You look at this game, right? And the start of it wasn't bad. You no. look at it on the schedule. You say, "All right." <laughs> they flew in after a late game last night. They're sleeping at the hotel at, like you said, like three a.m. Mm-hmm. four a.m. Uh, obviously, not a practice day. Can't get much done. Just trying to get as much rest as they can. And it really showed, right? Our top line played. 
I mean, almost half the game last night, right? 25, 26 minutes. Nurse played, I believe, 29 last night. Yeah. Uh, you you don't want to see that against a Chicago no. team, which you think you should be able to beat without your top guns clicking. Totally. But if you look at that game yesterday when you're placed in that position and it's on the line of whether you're taking two points from Chicago or walking away with nothing – you secure the bag. You yeah. try and get those two points. And today's game, as much as we we hate to say it, as much as we hate to see it, especially against Minnesota, it's a scheduled loss. Yeah, uh, Minnesota's always had the Oilers' numbers as well. I mean, I know it's. I think no they won six in a row against back. Edmonton now, or seven in a row. I want to say after tonight, so it's insane, especially at XL Energy Center. So it's just a tough game to go against. Um, you, like you mentioned, I wouldn't put this as too much of an alarm bell type of situation. No, no. obviously you don't want to see five goals against. <laughs> so yeah, to build on that, as far as like the overall effort from the skaters, there were some bad plays by everyone. Like there's things you want to have back. Could they have finished better? Could they have gotten back harder on the forecheck? Yeah, there's certain situations. Yeah, we can go in and critique play by play. What it comes down to, the really the only disappointing thing I find about this game is the play from Jack Campbell, right? Like we're getting to a point where 23 games into the season, um, it's not just necessarily a stretch of bad goaltending or he's going to find his form or we're working to it. We're building up like you sign this guy to a five year, $5 million a year, $25 million total NHL contract. You brought him in expecting him to be your starter. Did you need, you don't need him to come in and be Igor Shesterkin. You don't need you don't him need to be Ilya Sorokin. No, the Oilers need just consistent. You need saves in situations like i think the game against chicago is a perfect example this is where we can see like the importance of goaltending when it matters situational goaltending Stuart skinner in chicago did not have his best game of the season by any stretch i think every oilers fan and non-oilers fan can agree on that but in the last minute of the game the last couple minutes of the game when it really mattered when the oilers went back on their heels and chicago was pressing Stuart skinner came up with the absolutely huge saves just you know, secure those two points. Tonight, when the Oilers were up 2-1, when they could, when they were actually sitting back, and now the Oilers only had six shots 30 minutes into the game, so it's not like they were playing out of their minds and Campbell lost the game for them. But when you want to make a save, when you need that save to, you know, get that morale back, bring the energy, get the, get a boost, get get a boost for your team, right? Um, bring that... Uh, momentum get get the momentum that's exactly. the word i'm looking for campbell well, fails to do that talking about momentum as well i think actually in the first half of the game i was surprised by how well the oilers were playing agreed uh, there there was momentum there and it, it was a very low uh, low shot on goal sort of game which yeah. seemed so weird uh very sluggish game yeah very, very sluggish very intense mm-hmm but I think the big momentum swing for me in this game, uh, obviously you want soup to get some of these goals uh, to, to turn away some of these goals. But I think the biggest momentum swing were the two penalties in the second period by Yanmark. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like Yanmark was taking this. He scored his uh, first goal with the Oilers mm-hmm. last game, which is fantastic. On a nice pass. That. Nice play. Very me. nice play. Yep. But at the same time, this game, he seemed incredibly sluggish. And I almost wonder if it was a better idea to take him out of the lineup 
put Costin in on his on his spot instead and leave Benson since Benson didn't play much yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that really boggles my mind is the fact that we have this Brad Malone, we have Dylan Holloway, uh, we have um, James Hamblin, that line that played relatively few minutes last night. And I thought they played pretty well in the first half of this game tonight. Mm-hmm. I didn't know why we started to take away their minutes in a game when McDavid and Dreisaitl maybe wasn't the best decision after yeah. how tired they were. Well, I think this back-to-back really shows um, something from Jay. It, it, it's a question we're starting to have with Jay Woodcroft, right? His minutes distribution over the past couple games have not been anywhere where you would like it to be. You don't want Connor McDavid playing 27 minutes every game, especially against a team as poor as Chicago. I saw him, I heard on the broadcast they made a point towards the end of the game that uh, because the Oilers, um, because the Oilers took their foot off the or because the Chicago got back into the game, it allowed for the Oilers to have to put more energy into into the game towards the end, and maybe that's why they lost tonight. But I think more the Oilers took their foot off the gas, and that's what allowed Chicago to get back into the game, not the other way around, right? If the Oilers kept their foot on the gas. I don't think Chicago necessarily gets back into the game last night. And then you, in turn, today, you might have more energy. But that would become from Jay Woodcroft rolling his lines, playing everyone consistently, allowing that momentum to build, establishing that forecheck. But when you're going to make, when you load up your top line the way the Oilers have, and they go to it every second shift, that's not a recipe for long-term success. You can see where this is a game. This is a game where... The lack of depth and the injuries really show themselves, right? I don't think, as much as we from the outside sitting on our couches think Malone and Holloway and Hamlin and Costin and everything, and I thought Costin looked really good, especially in the first period. He was creating. I'm really glad he got rewarded with a goal. It's one of those games where you can just know, you just know Woodcroft doesn't trust the depth that he has right now, and those injuries are really starting to stack up. Woodcroft spent his almost entire tenure in Bakersfield with someone like Ryan McLeod. When, when when Woodcroft came up to the Oilers, Ryan McLeod's role was significantly elevated. He's someone, as crazy as to say, and Ryan McLeod's only 22, 23 years old, that Jay Woodcroft consistently relies on. And taking him out of the lineup, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Woodcroft doesn't have that, like he, he clearly doesn't trust Shore, not nearly like Dave Tippett did. He doesn't, who he, like, he doesn't have those bottom six guys that he can consistently rely on. And I think that's why we've seen that weird spike in 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 minutes Minute. for McDavid and Drysaddle. But it, it's one of those things that even though you're in that situation, you just have to trust it. And if Hamblin goes and has a terrible giveaway and gives up a bad like gives up a chance, then so be it. But I don't think that we can keep going like this. And I know the minutes were distributed a little better tonight. Uh, Pugliarvi played 16. Derek Ryan played almost 17 minutes. Like, they were distributed better, but it, it still is not to the point, I think, where I would like it to see at least. I don't know what you think about that, but... Well, in terms of the distribution of minutes, I feel like this is a a, a concern now. You're right. I don't see it as much of a as a confidence issue because... You have someone like Brad Malone, right? This is this is the captain down in Bakersfield. Oh, yeah. You're you would expect Woodcroft to have full faith in Malone to play big minutes when he needs to, like tonight. Uh, he didn't have some of the players like like Holloway for too long. Hamlin was someone that he had for a long time, so you would expect him to have some faith in those players. I think it's it's really down to this 
sort of pressure Edmonton puts on as a fan base. Mm -hmm. Every game has to be one where it's a must win game. You're going at into a game and you, you can't take risks in this fan base. Uh, Honestly, if it was a coach that was in a uh, less voracious market, right? They wouldn't have cared about last game as intently. They would have thought, well, we have still a pretty good lead. We can always go back to McDavid and Drysdale if we need to, but let's let's start rolling the lines a little bit more. We'll evenly distribute the minutes a little bit more. You can't do that in Edmonton where if you make that decision, if you put the third and fourth line out there and you lose to the Chicago Blackhawks, every media person, every fan is going to be calling in and going, hey, what's going on? What are these decisions from Woody? He's not conducive to team success, right? Mm -hmm. This is the amount of pressure that's being put on the coaching position. On the other hand, you mentioned uh, Pugliarvi. I wanted to Quickly double back to that. I thought Jesse Pugliarvi had pretty good legs out of yeah. everyone tonight. Yeah. Uh, there weren't that many of them that did. I think our defensive core really, really struggled today with the exception of maybe Bouchard. Who I thought Bouchard, like all right. Bouchard's got six points in his last six games. Bouchard's been, he since he scored those two goals, he's been taste taken off. This is the Evan Bouchard that we need to be a contender in the NHL. Uh, one guy who I thought is quietly, he was rewarded with two assists last game, but I, I wanted to make the point, and I kept forgetting to do it on prior broadcasts, that consistently he has played significantly better than he did to start the season is Brett Kulak. I think Brett Kulak's been really solid. Uh, he's done exactly what the Oilers need him to do. He settled down Tyson Barry because we haven't gone on here with a giant Barry gaff just fuming, right? It's yeah. I, the biggest concern on defense, at least that I've noticed coming uh, uh, in the last couple of games, is that Nurse CC pairing. We we I don't think we. I was thinking about it earlier during the game. I don't think yet this season we have seen a peak Darnell Nurse. I don't think he has been to what he we, we both know that he can be. So yeah, um, I think it is time to break up that pairing. There's too many defensive mistakes. There's too many miscues in the defensive zone. Uh, they're not, they're, they're just, they're, they seem to, have, don't, they don't have that chemistry that they had last year. I think teams have queued in and obviously everyone's got a video coach. I think teams have queued into the, what they can do and what they can't do. And I found a way to exploit them. You saw, I think, I I, I don't have the stats. I, mean, I can pull them up in a second, but I, I want to say Nurse and CeCe were on the ice for majority of the wild goals. And a, another thing, and I know you wanted to jump in on that, uh, the wild only had 10 high danger chances and got five goals on them. That's not good that's that like limiting them i know they didn't have their legs to start limiting them to 10 pretty good letting five of those in not very good right so that's where we come back to goaltending yeah it's so hard to say though because when you when you look at this game the data that you get off of the the actual humans that are playing the game today Mm -hmm. are not conducive to like you said not not even just their uh, peak form but their average form right i looked at nurse tonight and it looked like he really just had cement in his legs in his boots tonight it's it's tough because he had to play like 29 something minutes last night i think that nurse cc it's it's not the best pairing but 
what what's the other option well right? I, I do think that bouchard and nurse if we give them some runway because bouchard's been playing so well it's not like when you put them together for half a game before early in the season i think you taking a confident a completely different evan bouchard and playing him with darnell nurse when we saw darnell nurse at his best to me it was when he was playing with ethan bear i think the closest yeah. defenseman to ethan bear on this blue line is evan bouchard he's obviously a lot more skilled offensively has a, probably a little worse defensively but for the most part i think he has the ability to help control Darnell owners and they can make up for each other's shortcomings darn owners an elite skater uh bouchard an elite passer i think it would work really well and you're not yeah. saddling um you're not giving philip broberg that defensive responsibility with evan bouchard you're giving philip broberg cody cc someone who can take on that defensive role and you're pairing someone cody cc who i think we can agree is not the strongest transporter of the puck by any means with philip broberg who can move and can make a breakup pass and i think every game has gotten just slightly better like even tonight i don't really have a complaint about philip broberg what do you think of broberg's no, I play think he played well yeah, I, yeah. honestly Broberg is is fitting in his role, right? Mm -hmm. it, it was an adjustment in the beginning, and now he's really settled into his role. I think the one thing that I do have concern with is if you're elevating Bouchard up to Darnell Nurse's first line minute or first pairing minutes, Bouchard does have tendencies to pinch, mm -hmm. get caught. There's there's still those concerns, and I I don't have the faith right now in Darnell Nurse to be able to cover for that. Uh, you saw Nurse is right now really kind of battling with his decision-making on the ice, yeah. right? You're seeing him go down for these semi-blocked shots that aren't fully committed one way or the other, and it results in these mm -hmm. really weird bounces and opportunities against. If you lower Darnell Nurse, and let's say you put, uh, God forbid, like a Kulak CC <laughs> on the top line, like what? what is the option here, right? Darnell Nurse is your number one defenseman. He's your minute muncher. And on the other side, Cody CC is one of the more reliable defensemen on the team. I don't have faith in Tyson Berry playing anything more than third pairing. Berry I, needs like to be to with Kulak. He needs to be with Kulak. Kulak and Berry, uh, they, they're, they're a prime pairing. They have chemistry. They make up for each other's shortcomings. And again, like I've said, we haven't come on here. I can't think of a Tyson Berry gaff that's not on the power play. When he's on the ice with Brett Kulak, that has cost the others a goal, um, you know, recently. But the defense... Speaking of the power play, mm -hmm. tonight's power play. Yes. Evan Bouchard. Yes. Unit. He was on there a lot more than Tyson Berry. I think he's better. He, he's quicker at distributing the puck between McDavid and Nugent Hopkins on the flanks. Mm -hmm. I That's where I think he's quicker at decision-making. I will say that power play in the third period when Evan Bouchard was out there, and it was, I think, 13 minutes left. It was 4-2 at that point. If the Oilers were going to come back in this game for the fourth game in a row, have a crazy third period and whatever, uh, they were going to have to score on that power play. And you could tell... Drysaddle kept passing him the puck, and you just like, Evan, shoot just the damn it. puck. Just, just rip it. <laughs> and for whatever reason, I that's where that, that's where the frustration with Bouchard comes in, because you're just like, shoot, you have one of the best shots in the NHL. Just use it, for God's sake. And You can tell that's what they were trying yeah, to go for. And he would not, for whatever reason, he refused. And it ended up being McDavid. I wanted, it was either McDavid or Nugent Hopkins who got a one-timer on the short side. And it actually it was a close chance. But they missed the net, you know. They, they had the open net. They just missed it. Uh, they, the Oilers, like, their, their stars were creating. I think the first power play of the game that they had 
uh, when the mm-hmm. Oilers came out. That's where the Wild are such a big and aggressive team that get on you so fast. That power play, frankly, to be blunted, it stunk because they were, I think what they were doing, they were getting used to that the different style of penalty killing by the Wild. But then later, first period again, Oilers had two power plays, didn't take a power play. I think that's the first period. I want to say it's the first period of the year where the Oilers didn't take a penalty and they had two power plays. I'm completely guessing might be completely wrong, but that's what it feels like. But <laughs> felt like it. The second power play they had where Drysidle got the power play goal, it was so much smoother. They were snapping it around so much quicker. And I think that's because they had adjusted to the penalty kill. They made an adjustment on the fly and it, they looked really good. And for the first, like you said earlier in the show, for the first kind of half of the game, even though it felt like early on the Wild were applying more pressure. But when I looked at it, the Wild didn't get a shot until eight minutes into the game, right? The, the Oilers were limiting their chances. They were playing as stingy as they could for coming Again, out. I, I thought they started the game so well, and I was so ready to eat my words. I was yeah. prepared to come on to, to a loss and say, we just suck against the Wild, yep. even more so when we have no gas. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to, to do a little bit of uh, chat interaction here because mm-hmm. I'm seeing there's a lot there's a lot of comments about Bull Campbell. Yeah. Um, one of the big points that I saw earlier here, let me just find it. Uh, Travis Saunter, LA waived Cal Peterson, who also makes five million. This happened a little a couple days ago. He cleared waivers. There's there's a precedence to be set there with getting a goaltender down into the AHL, playing some games, really getting the confidence back up. Do you think that needs to happen with Campbell? No, I I do not think. I think the moment you wave Jack Campbell, looking just at Jack Campbell's history, he is done in Edmonton. He will never be able to recover from that. Like, I felt bad, truly, at the end of this game. There was a part of me, right when it ended, I'm like, okay, this, enough's enough. You know what? We need a damn save. Because the thing where Jack Campbell struggles the most, and I brought this point up before, I actually haven't heard that many people say it, it's the high danger save percentage. He all Every chance that he lets in, it's that's with Campbell. Because you could... Always, every time Campbell plays and loses a game, they'll always let him five, six, seven, whatever. You can look at every single goal and be like, well, I mean, the guy was alone in front. It was a cross piece pass. It was this, it was that. But Jack Campbell's high danger save percentage, I just checked. It has gone up. It's now at five, according to moneypuck.com, it's at 565. That's pretty much four and a half goals on 10 shots, right? For high danger shots. What, what I wanted to get your comment on this because mm-hmm. this you mentioning it suddenly brought it back into my mind. Um, there was a the third Minnesota goal, the flyby from Goudreau, the Capriz- where it was a bit of a turnover. Was it the Caprizov goal or no, the no, Frederick no. Goudreau? Oh, the, the Frederick, Frederick yeah, 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 yeah. There was a turnover, it was just a little flyby backhand from Goudreau, and it goes over Campbell's shoulder, right? Yeah, see, I I wonder though, what was Campbell? I'm trying to think what Campbell was reading on that. Well, th- that because there was a cross crease pass. Yeah, totally. And and that's the thing. If you watch just the puck behind the net, watch how Campbell looks at the puck behind the net. Most goalies, and again, not a goaltending expert by any means. I I want to preface that before I start picking apart some of the way Neither someone's positioning <laughs> it. But when you watch Campbell in the net, he's the only goalie I've ever seen that instead of just going on the post 
closest to where the puck is behind the net and looks squeezing it right well no, well no this is this is prior to the goal he's I, I have to demonstrate because i can't even explain the posts are here go off King. he's go off his legs are on either end of the post and he's in the middle and he's scrunched as small as you could possibly be and he's turned completely like looking directly down the middle of the net at the puck the entire sides are open right so yeah. instead of being on the post, the post, like in the, the RVH or whatever, the goalie, the goalie people call it, like Mike Smith would be. And Mike Smith was caught, you know, a couple times in that like prone pad, one pad down right on the post. That mm-hmm. thing. <clears throat> oh my God. I don't, I don't have my water today. So I've been coughing, but uh, Campbell, um, Campbell, the way he does it, it, it's so odd. And that's why when he comes out to play, he gets caught because he has to go, he drops down and the guy plays like he's he, he's he's the same size as Stuart Skinner. I, I would need to look it up for sure, but I want to say he's 6'2", 6'3". He's a big guy, but there's something about him and his equipment where he looks 5'6". Like if you put him side by side with UC Saros, I'm confident in saying UC Saros might look bigger than him. And UC Saros is 5'7". Right? There, there are some broadcasts, especially from you know prior goaltenders that are saying that that might be a posture thing uh, a confidence thing as well because mm-hmm. if you remember i mean stuart skinner spent uh, i think almost an entire off season just purely working on positioning yeah just purely feeling things out i i don't know if this is a situation where campbell can learn himself well, even out it, of this problem well it, the thing is it, when you look at talk about campbell's positioning it looks like like when when you think about the Sam Steele goal, for example, that 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 breakaway kind of half breakaway Angle. where he comes in, yeah, it seems like like it, to me. I'm not sure if you notice this too. Tell me if I'm crazy, but it seems like Campbell bites on every single fake, and they and, it, and because he goes one way, the skater goes the other. It makes every goal like oh well, you know what was he gonna do? But when you watch Stuart Skinner and that, there's he's getting shots from four feet out, only guy in front. Stuart waits, drops in a butterfly, gets right out in the paint. And he just makes Challenge, the saves. He makes right? he makes every save look easy. There was a chance, I want to say, either late in the first or early in the second, where Matt Boldy and Alex Goligoski kind of just threw the puck on net and one guy went in for the rebound. But Campbell was overplaying it, went down, and made what would have been a routine save for every other NHL goalie. just looks so much more complicated. I think he's overcomplicating the position so much. He's so in his head. He's probably so nervous about letting in a bad goal. And you're probably... Again, I don't know if he spoke tonight. Um, let, assume you can know he's just gonna say, I was pathetic. This, that, you get the whole spiel from him, which sucks because you feel. I for know you just right. He's such a great guy. Yeah, but we're for everything that we say on this broadcast. Mm-hmm. It is separate the player on the ice again and the person at at home. Right, like this is a different person. And and you know what though, as great of a guy as Mister Rogers is, I do not want him playing goalie for the Edmonton Oilers. Right, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's about results. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I mean, the NHL is a results-driven league. And right now, the Oilers are and, struggling. And they're, you, they're stuck. And you know what's... Uh, sorry, and, and, sorry to cut you off, but you, and you know what's an interesting thing when you look at goaltending? You look at... And I saw people talking about the Leafs in chat. Obviously, it's a Leafs network, so people are going to bring Murray and <laughs> Samson up. When, when you think about Matt Murray, he struggled since he left Pittsburgh. Like, mightily. He was in the AHL. He was waived, right? right? Goaltending is such a weird thing. You can be top of your game and then you can be nothing in a matter of a, a year, right? So, well, think about the entire Western Conference right now mm-hmm. and look at the three Canadian teams. Vancouver, Demko's just been struggling. He, You're looking at guys saying he was Spencer everyone's Vezina pick, guy. right? Like Demko yeah. was everyone's Vezina pick, and he's doing and he's and he's been struggling like crazy. And now people are talking about exactly. trading him. 
you look at you look at Markstrom, and I don't know if uh, you've saw, seen some of the highlights I saw. on Twitter. I saw he's <laughs> challenging guys. He's running out. They they just look off in all three Canadian cities. The the main starter just looks off, and I I know it's it's really tough to pinpoint why that might be. There's there's some feeling out here, and right now all the backups in the three Canadian teams out west are just playing better. well I, I, the one I, exception is connor hellebuck well, well, well i want to say <laughs> at this point our backup is not playing good at all our starter has been fantastic throughout the year because our starter is Stuart skinner yeah, Stuart like skinner. We're, we're past the we're past the point of you know we're, we're not gonna go into that two and two two and one whatever where Stuart gets the run and unless Stuart struggles mightily we aren't going back to Campbell because he is letting everything in. He's making stuff look tr- traditional things make look way too hard. He needs some serious work. And the thing is, what I was what I was gonna say earlier, a lot of people like to bring up Edmonton's goalie coach. They like to bring up the fact that Dustin Schwartz has mm, been Schwartz. there since what a 2015, uh, and he's been around for so long, and we haven't had good goaltending. But now you look back. Mike Smith, for as many gaps as he had, he's statistically one of the best goalies the Oilers have actually ever had. Miko yeah. Koskinen was always really good. He was prone to letting in, you know, the random 40 foot shot, shot of the game. Shot but, hey. but he Jack he was never even close to as bad as Jack Campbell has been over these last 20 games. Miko first could not play a consistent run of 10 games, but he always, when he had to, kept the Oilers in. I could think of a number of games where Miko stole. Stole the game for the Oilers. We have not seen anything close to that from Jack Campbell. Uh, a lot of people do like to bring up Schwartz, but what I was going to say about Schwartz, goalies, like some of the best goalies in the league, Carter Hart. I know Tristan Jari hasn't been that good this year, but he comes back to Edmonton and trains with Dustin Schwartz. Dustin Schwartz is a good goalie coach. From what I hear from goalie experts, they think Dustin Schwartz is really good. But let's, let's give Campbell some time. I know we kind of said it before. In practice, no pressure. You're working with Schwartz. We saw Holloway after practice a couple games ago as the shooter, kind of working with 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 Campbell and Dustin Schwartz. Something's got to give because I saw a lot of people tonight talking about uh, Jack Campbell buyouts, and I don't think that's a conversation I'm ready I for. I don't think that's an option right now. Let's not if, go that well, far. What do you do if this continues, uh, Dennis? I think this is this is one of the weird things with goalies, right? There there is no reliability with goalies. You look at someone who won the Stanley Cup last year, currently playing in Washington, and he can't make a save to save his has life. Has he been that has he been that bad? He's pretty bad. Look at Washington in the standings right now. It's, well, it's yeah. pretty brutal. Like Honestly, goalie is a position where not only are the people a little bit weird. I mean, you're getting I you're getting rubber fired. To be honest, you. to be honest with you, Darcy Kemper this season it says 22-23. He's played 18 games, eight wins, nine losses with a 9.17 save percentage. So, but he looks really bad. I, I agree, but trust, I don't know. I would give thing, my right? left arm for Jack Campbell to have a nine seventeen save percentage. But here's the thing, right? Even mm-hmm. though Jack Campbell doesn't have the save percentage, mm-hmm. you look at the win loss record, and he's seven and five. That, right? I think that's weird. I think that's called the McDavid and Drysaddle effect more than anything, right? <laughs> like that's that's well, what that is. Because look at Stuart Skinner like last night. Yeah, right. Stuart Skinner last night didn't necessarily play his best but he was he was good he's at a six and five last night he got the run support even though he let up four we got five goals jack 
let up four and we didn't get five goals tonight. Therefore, mm-hmm. we took the L. Right. This is this is a weird position to play in. Yeah. And it's so early in his contract that we need to take some action, whether that's a coaching issue, whether that's, you know, sending him down to get some confidence, whatever the, it might the be. The sending him down is I, I I would love like I think that's an option. The problem is the oil Calvin Pickard, I'm pretty sure is injured and he's been garbage. The Oilers really have yeah. no depth in goaltending behind Campbell. There's no backup. I, I, the, the, if this continues, the thing is, you're McDavid, you got dry saddle on their contracts. Hopefully you resign them, whatever. Another conversation for another day. But the goaltending is the most important position. If this was a Milan Lucic making $5 million on your third or fourth line, that's something you could bite, you could eat, you hope he bounces back. You don't have that same leeway and rope with a goaltender. You either have it or you don't, right? Like at a certain point, you have to cut bait. If it's going to cost you... $2 million in a cap hit over the next eight seasons or whatever to buy Jack Campbell out. And this is, again, I saw Dark Fighters in the chat, but Kemper's got the 917. Campbell has an 833. <laughs> like, that's bad, man. It's bad, but I, bad. I hate, I don't want to see a buyout. Because, I don't know, I've seen buyouts on this team just over so many years and it's absolutely crippled the team's ability mm-hmm. to do anything but and they're sorry sorry i, I don't mean to get, they're not going to be an ltir next year they i i think all the rest of the buyouts are off the book next year and again i don't want to have to buy jack campbell i pray <laughs> to god he gets back in shape or Stuart scanner just becomes you know this elite goalie there i do see uh byron bader no, on twitter is posting about some no, russian dude, guys we still have we still have james neal J- oh that's after, that's not after, done. at the end of this year i'm pretty sure it's done i want to say andres no, no sakura sakura's done Juliot was the other one that was Juli- on the hit on there that's already done isn't the, it? the ones that they had at least last season i'm pretty sure i want to say Puliot was in his last year lucic well that the lucic the is pain. done this year that that's done yeah that's done this year mm-hmm. but yeah buyout for oh, it's okay this is funny because we're, we're talking about this as we played against the Minnesota Wild, yeah. which is in an absolute buyout hell, right? Yeah, that... they, they have $14 million in buyouts on their cap next year. Like, we are, uh, yeah, that, that's uh, that's insane. But, like, again, if this continues, if it was any other position, it, it, you, you could make do with it. But it's your goalie. But it's goalie. Goalie is tough. Yeah. And, five, and I agree. And I agree with the chat. The talks buyout. of buyout is way too early, but this is what's going on right now. And you have to admit, we're again 20 games into the season. They're 23. Your goalie is the most important thing. And we're gonna stick it out. There's no changing of the goalie this year. No. You gotta stick it out. Yep. I think if Stu if Stu is giving you performances after this season, no matter what the postseason looks like, just ignore that. If he's giving you results in a way that you think he can be your number one or at least a 1A oh. to someone who's a 1B, then maybe you look at a trade, a buyout, something like that. I think yeah, right now it's too early. I, yeah, we're getting pretty late in the broadcast. We only got a couple minutes left. Um, but I do want to say I do think most Oilers fans across the board have faith in Stuart Skinner. If the playoffs started tomorrow, there's no question who would be the number one goalie, right? Who's number one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I do see also Naughty88 in chat saying, Colorado won in spite of Kemper, not because of him. Totally agree. The Oilers are in. Exactly. Uh, are, the Oilers are built, at least 
they're supposed to be built in a way that they need a goalie similar to what Kemper provided to Colorado. And Kemper in the playoffs did have a, you know, scratched eye or some sort of eye injury, which kind of hampered right. his play as well, right? So overall, this goaltending is going to be a story that continues for the rest of the season. But yes. Yeah, I, I just want to give a quick shout out to Lindsay as well, who is from Minnesota, regular of the YouTube chat, Lindsay. Uh, she mentions that uh, Suter and Prize, those buyouts needed to happen. Mm-hmm. We know those buyouts needed to happen, uh, locker room stuff, but just the the original contract was meant to eventually go to a buyout. Mm-hmm. Um, that's enough talk with buyouts. Let's let's start wrapping up the pod, Zach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, we're going in next game against Montreal, 5 o'clock. That's a game, as much as this was a scheduled loss, that should be a scheduled win. Please. <laughs> exactly. Please. The Oilers, they play, I think of the 15 games they play in December, I want to say 12 of them are below them in the standings, right? This is a month where I, I you expect them to go some sort of variation of 10 and 5, uh, 11 and 4, 9, 4 and 1, something like 9, 4 and 2, something like that. Uh, but yeah, overall. But hey, Zach, you're going to be doing that game. Uh, it's another Saturday game. Are you? It's not a matinee, though. No, so not I a matinee. If it starts after 5, I'm okay. So it's it's all good. Anyways, hey, well, where the where can they figure out when that uh, the post game is going to start? You can figure that out on my Twitter when I tweeted out a couple hours before the game at zwheel ninety seven. And where can they see a retweet of that post from? At Dennis Lee Yeg on Twitter. Awesome. Of course, I got your back, man. Oh well, thank you. You too. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be an awesome game. Travis, why 5 p.m.? Because it's Montreal and we got a, it's a Hockey Night in Canada schedule. But anyways, the Zoom's going to end in about 30 seconds. So I want to say have a great night. Thank you all for joining us. I will see you back here on Saturday. Looking forward to hopefully another Oilers W. Take care, everyone. Have a good rest of your night. Have a great have Friday. Have a good night. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's...